All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be here with you. It's funny how warm it can get on a freezing cold morning in here, isn't it? <laughs> Real quick, before I get rolling, one thing that uh, we've been working on really hard here is our database, so we can get information to you about what's going on at OB Joyful. Mostly that's going to come through email, but one of our members, uh, Mindy, has been working hard on this huge list that we have. It has about 500 names on it. There are about, I think there's about 150 to 200 like locally that are involved one way or the other. But on the table, also out in the foyer, when you go out, if you wouldn't mind, there's, you'll see it, uh, it's, it's going to go all the way around the table and you can find your name alphabetically. And if we have your correct information, you know, that's great. Check it off. If we don't, we'll have a sheet there that you can fill in your information or you can also correct what's there that's not right. So just FYI, we'd love to be able to contact you and just tell you what's up at the church, what's going on with kids, all that kind of thing. So, all right? Mindy asked me to to share that with you. So she's got that all rolling. On another topic, I've gone to all of the openings at the theater of the Star Wars movies since they first came out. I'm probably not the only person in here. Anybody else? Been to all of those? Come on, raise your hand higher. What is that? Shine? Okay. Abby. All right, I'm good. All right. I cannot, I still burned in my memory is the beginning of that first movie, the fourth, right? So I, I remember just, you know, as a kid, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. And that was an awesome movie, you know, and at the end, Darth Vader's like, flying off into space, you know, it's gone, everything's good. The next movie is totally different, right? And at the end, Everything is looking good until the very last, like, five minutes, and everything just goes in the tank, right? And then you find out, you know, the worst possible news that Luke could ever hear, right? That his dad is this Darth guy, right? And I was depressed. For a, and see, there were, no, there were no sequels back then. You know, you didn't know another movie was coming. Well, you hoped it was coming. You hoped a movie was coming. But... I feel like in the story of Acts that we've been looking at for the past several weeks, last week was like episode five because everything goes wrong. You know, it's looking good. The church is expanding. People are following Christ's call to go out and add disciples and grow the church. And, you know, bad things happen, but it goes really south, which we saw last week in chapter 14 when uh, Paul and Barnabas are speaking in this city and they, this guy gets healed in the process and things are looking so positive. And then suddenly the town kind of switches over and said, hey, since you healed that guy, you guys must be gods. And if you're a Jewish guy, especially like Paul, who was a, a leader of Jews, so he knew the law, to be, for someone to say that you're a god was the worst possible thing that could happen to you, right? The first commandment, remember that? No gods before me. So that's what he's taught and learned all of his life. And now people are saying, you're a God. Now, what does that do? That, that messes you up. And then right after that, they, uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas have to say, no, 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 this isn't right. In the ne- very next verse, some people from other towns that they offended come down and beat Paul to, almost to death by, with stones, okay? They throw rocks at him such that they knock him out and it appears that he's dead. They drag him outside the city and leave him, all right? So things were looking really good and they go really south. So end of episode five, all right? So, but today, I think we're gonna turn a corner and head back the other direction. 
I hope that, that you feel that way about what happens here. I, what, what we're going to see is we're going to see this narrative of, uh, of Paul and Barnabas, though they're da- the, the things are as bad as they can be, they turn around and, and they do this thing that uh, I, I feel like is, it should be such an inspiration to us. Is it, is it though things were as worse, as bad as they could possibly be, these men go back through the towns that they have addressed already, the ones that actually kicked them out, the ones that brought the people to actually stone them. They go back to those towns and they strengthen the soul of the church. They build up the church. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to watch that story unfold as they, as they do that. But I think what it leads to is a couple things for us. And I want to ask you to think about these questions as I talk through this. And if it leads you just to dive off into a tangent that is uh, that where God is speaking to you, then I want to encourage you to do that. And, and the first one is, is to ask this. Is this church, your church, this church that you go to, is this church a church that is following Christ's command to strengthen the church, to strengthen the soul of this church and other churches? Are we about that? Because that's what Jesus calls us to be about. So we have to honestly look at ourselves and say, is this who we are? The second one that I want to ask you to think about is this. Um, is someone speaking into my life, into my soul, encouraging me, building me up as a member of the church? Is someone doing that? Am I, have I asked someone to do that? Am I putting myself in places where that happens? And the third one is, perhaps you're someone here who's a believer and, and says, you know, I've been feeling for a long time that I need to speak into someone else's life to strengthen their soul. Is there someone that you're doing that for? And you don't have to be way down the road as a Christian to do that. But is that a part of your experience? Is that a part of who you are? So those are the three things I'd like for you to kind of drift off on and think about as we look at it. Let me read the story to you. This is Acts 14. We're in uh, chapter 9. Acts 14, verse 19. So we'll put it up on the wall there. So this is where we ended last time. Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. These are towns they'd been at before. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. So things are looking really bad. But the disciples gathered about him. And what that means is these are the people who have come to know Jesus in that town. Already, these, these people come outside the town, find Paul, Barnabas, I assume, is with him. They gather around him, and he rose up, and he entered the city. Now, we don't know how, how long that took, but he, he comes in. God obviously does something very special to uh, bring him. He, he wasn't dead, but he's just uh, feeling at least a little bit better, probably a pretty good concussion, right? He rose up and entered the city, and on the next day, the next day, uh, after the next day, he went on with Barnabas to the city of Derby. So they head out. They're going to another town, yet another place. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, they made many disciples. And they returned to Lystra. This is the place where he was beaten. And then to Iconium and to Antioch. So they're tracing their steps back the way they came in on this journey that they make. They're strengthening, this is verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, those who had become Christians, 
encouraging them to continue in the faith in saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So three things about this story that I want to, to kind of take us through. One is that one of the things they do is they go back through these towns is they strengthen the souls of these believers, right? They're building up the church. But the second thing is that they establish leadership as they go through there and they leave that leadership behind. And the third thing is that they lead and, dis- and display their spiritual life through spiritual practices. So all these things I think you'll see un- unfold the way that Paul and Barnabas built up the church and how the church received that. So let's, let's dig into that. If you, let's see, first, let's start with just strengthening the souls. What does that look like? I, I, I love the way Luke says, strengthening the souls of the disciples. Because when you think about your soul, when someone, whenever we go to that level, we're going to the deepest level. When someone talks about your soul, it's the deepest level of who you are. Your deepest emotions your most, your most eternal part of you, the heart, the core, the deep, it's beyond like when we talk about our heart. When we talk about our soul, it's something else. That's why guys never talk about their soul. You're never going to hear it, all right? We just don't share about our souls with each other very often because it's the deepest thing. Do you, do you see what I mean? And so when Luke says he, they went back and strengthened the souls of, the, of these believers, it was a deep, deep thing that they were entering into with them strengthening their souls, that deepest part of them. And, and I, I ask myself, well, so what is it like to have your soul strengthened? Especially your soul when, it re, when it's re, in regard to your faith in Jesus. When your soul is strengthened in regard to your faith in Christ, what is that like? That is a deep, deep and very good thing. It's, you know, I thought about it in my life. I thought, well, when are the times when my soul has truly been touched and encouraged, built up? And those are rare times. But when you look back, you can think back in your own life, whether this is a, someone from a Christian perspective or not, there are people rare in our lives that touch our souls, that speak to our souls. And we know who they are. You probably, everybody has someone on their mind, someone who touched our soul and spoke deeply into us and changed us. That's what Paul and Barnabas are doing. And that's, that's the kind of person that we want to seek out in, in our lives as well. Someone who can touch our soul, speak to us at that level. And a couple other things about what it means to have your soul uh, strengthened. And I, I, I thought I just have a couple of illustrations. One is I feel like when your soul is strengthened, it's like if, you're, if the house of your life has gotten knocked off of the foundation by, you know, a mudslide or whatever, you know, you're just, every, the doors are all messed up, you can't get out, you're trapped, things are bad. A person who strengthens our soul actually puts us back on that cornerstone of Christ. You know, he sets us back there and things are leveled out. That's, that's the, when they, the deepest part, the place that we live, the, when that's put back on the cornerstone of Christ, things are right. And that's what a person does when they speak into our life, into our soul like that. Another thought I had was it's almost like if you, were, if you were lost in the woods, in the mountains, and it's getting dark, and you don't have enough stuff, and you don't have your compass, and you don't know where you are exactly. 
And a person comes along and, and says, I'll tell you where you are. I'll tell you what's going on. Let me build this fire. I've got the stuff. Let me warm you up. Provides a safe place for us to find out the direction that we need to go. That's the thing that someone who's speaking into our soul, who's encouraging us for Christ, that's something that someone does. And, and another one I, I thought about was, it's almost like uh, when, you receive, when, you maybe, when you receive a hug from a very trusted friend, someone who, whether verbally or physically, reaches around you and says, you know, I believe in you. I, I know who you are. I know what's wrong with you. You're okay, you know, and sends you out. That's what someone who speaks, that's the feeling of a person speaking into our soul. So there, there, there are those aspects. That's the way that looks, I think. And, and probably uh, you can think of another example for yourself and how it's looked in your life or how you've done that for someone else. But there's another piece of this that they're doing is they're encouraging the soul, is they're building up the church. That's really cool. And that's that these people that were in these towns, when when they, if you look at it from their perspective, and they see Paul and Barnabas coming back to their town, and they know, they've heard what happened to them. They heard that, that Paul was beaten to, almost to death for his faith, for preaching, for teaching. And they're still coming back to the same places that actually sent the people to kill him, to hurt them, right? That takes courage. And when you see someone who you love and who cares for you really stand up and enter into hard things because of their faith, you know, that encourages us. So they observed this. They were built up in the church. They were built up in their faith because of the courage of these men. Interestingly enough, page four has nothing on it, (laughs) which could prove to be fairly challenging But there's another thing that they do. (laughs) You guys don't know how my mind is so small that just a little bit of a deviation totally blows everything out of the water. (laughs) Another thing that that you notice in there, it said that only by many tribulations are we going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't mean you have to work through certain things. You have to do or achieve certain things to get into the kingdom of heaven. Paul's just saying what we've already seen in Acts, what we talked about last week. We day after day, week after week, in your spiritual life, it is not always going to be great. And so if someone encourages you, but they don't tell you the whole truth, they don't happen to mention the freezing cold problem creek you're going to have to cross, they don't tell you about the hardship you're going to face, the rejection you might deal with, if they don't tell you that, and you get side, 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 surprised by that, then that's not cool. That's not encouraging someone, Right? But that, these guys go in there and they tell them honestly, walking with Christ is going to result in you having some difficult times. You're going to bump into the world and the world is not going to like you. That is going to happen. Whether you've just become a Christian, if you've walked with Christ for a long time, especially if you put yourself out there for Christ, you're going to bump into the world. And he's telling them that's what's coming. That's what's coming. And of course, they had a different level of that too because they... Um, they could see the mood of the Roman Empire changing. They're in this whole different world than we're in, where things were getting worse and worse and worse. And the Jewish people were against them as this new faith started to blossom and grow, and many, many people were coming to Christ. The resistance was growing, and they're seeing this, and he's saying, this is coming, so be ready. You're going to have 
You're going to have some big highs when people come to Christ and follow and when your, your family of Christ grows, but you're going to have some deep lows. And that's just part of the honesty of um, encouraging people in what it is to follow him. So they're strengthening the soul of the church, the deepest part of the individuals in the body and the church itself. But they also do something that's really important for all of us. It was important then is they establish leadership. We all need leaders. And so in verse 23, you'll see they, they appointed elders in every church as they come back through. So I wanted to talk just for a minute about what that means, this word elder. Elder means old guy. Okay, so let's just settle that right now. That's what an elder is. It is an old guy. And that was normal for them. They had this uh, tradition in the Jewish faith that Christianity was coming out of, of they had people who were older, who were, uh, had had experience following God. And so to have someone who was an elder it made a lot of sense to them. Now, to me, I think, to be quite honest with you, I think the word elder is somewhat archaic. It sounds kind of funny. Uh, it's okay, and I don't have any problem with it, but I think it, all it is, all the word elder is, y'all, is a translation of another more difficult word, okay? So the original word is something like, uh, I'll tell you, it's presbyteros, okay? That's the Greek word, which you can hear the root in that is Presbyterian, right? So that's where they get their name. That's where that denomination gets its name, presby, okay? Presbyterian. So we don't call elders Presbyterians in our church. But we could, and that would be completely accurate. We call them elders. So they could be like leaders or any other thing that you could say that separates these people uh, for leadership in a special way. Okay, so just to kind of try to make that clear, in our church is an elder-led church. It's led by folks that fit this model. Let me tell you, I think the word that best describes what an what a elder is, is shepherd. And it's a word that makes sense, made sense definitely to, that gener- to those people in those generations, but it makes sense to us too. Because what, what shepherds do is they have a flock, they nurture that, they feed, they bring the flock to water. They provide food for the flock. They protect the flock. They, they are, uh, their life is on the line for the flock. They have to put themselves between the flock and danger. Everything uh, about that, that nurturing aspect of shepherding makes sense for an elder. So you could just as well, I think, say shepherd. Does that make sense? That's, that's just a, I think, a, 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 that we don't have a lot of shepherds in our day or in our body right here. We still see that idea as making sense. Uh, so elders or leaders like that are, they're held to high standards. Uh, they, they need to be people who have a deep, in faithful relationship with Christ, and they've had it for a long time. They've been walking with him through life. It doesn't mean that they don't have big problems in their life or have had big problems. We're all broken, right? But these are people who have taken on big responsibility to shepherd us. And as believers, if you're a believer in here, what we do is we are entrusting the leadership of ourselves spiritually to folks who are who we're saying, okay, you, we're, we're letting you be above us, and we're submitting to you. And, and I do the same thing. Uh, at OB Joyful, we have four elders, uh, Mark Ewing, which most of y'all know these guys, Mark and Jim uh, and uh, myself and Al make up the, the four elders. Now, I am clearly the youngest of the four elders. <laughs> just want to point that out. Apparently, <laughs> and wisest, I submit myself to these other guys. 
when we're praying and talking about how this church operates, what's going to happen, what, where's our vision, where are we going? Are we discipling the next generation? Are we reaching out and, and uh, building the church like Christ called us to? Asking ourselves those questions, we're submitting to one another. I have the privilege of submitting to those people. And we all have that privilege. It's a trust relationship. And we're trusting broken people, and that, that happens. But we do that. Now, another thing about elders at Obi Joyful is that um, I thought I was going to have to grow facial hair to be one of them, but apparently I don't have to. Uh, or maybe I can't. I don't know. It's one or the other. So this is, the, this is what they do. They go through these towns and they establish elders. So you guys, when you're going through life, to be encouraged spiritually, no matter what your age is, we need to be looking to people who are older and further along in our faith to guide us. And frankly, we need to latch on to those people and understand that they're broken and they're fallen just like us, but they're trying to lead the way for us. They're carving that out. They could be men or women, people that we are just um, directing us and pulling us towards Christ and speaking into our soul. So wherever you are in your spiritual life, there are people like that in this world to do that for you. And you need to seek, we have to seek them out. They don't always just show up on our doorstep. So they've strengthened the soul of the church. They're doing that. And one of the ways they do that is through appointing these leaders as they go back through. So as, they, as they're headed back towards the Jerusalem church, there's people there to point these people towards Jesus. And one, one final thing that they do is they set an example of spiritual practices. And this is important. Uh, it's really, really important. It's, it, it's one sentence that Luke says. It's in verse 23. They appointed elders for them in every church. And with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So the prayer and fasting there, those are spiritual practices, a couple of them. And what spiritual practices are is really they're the activities that grow us in our relationship with God and with Jesus, okay? They are, they're the, the hard work of following the Lord. And there are a whole bunch of them. There are lots of different things that, that are included in that. One of those is, is being here today, being in fellowship with other people who are seeking to follow God. Some of it, if you look at the early church, is just eating together, just flat-out fellowship, just being together with believers. Another piece of that is, is worship, prayer, fasting right here, giving, uh, solitude with God, memorizing the Scripture. I mean, we could go on and on and on. And all of those ingredients, they make up, they make up the cake of Christianity, if you will, okay? So when you bring all of these things together, you have, you have made what it is that, that, that is the content of living for Christ. That's what the spiritual practices are. Does, does that make sense? So what they do is they display a few of these. They're encouraging them. They're, they're teaching them. Uh, and and they've, they've left these elders so that there's this, uh, this discipleship, leadership thing happening. But they also pray and fast. And just to speak to a moment for for a moment to that. Uh, for prayer, most of us have a pretty good idea from even wherever, wherever we are spiritually of what prayer is. is communicating with God, talking to God. And most of us probably would say, I, I've done that or I do that, but we probably would all say, check the box of, I don't know if I do that enough. I'm really not really there. And, and prayer is, is a hard and challenging thing. But so we need people in our lives to show us what it is to pray and to spend time with God. We need to seek out those people who can direct us in that. 
We need to be that for other people. There's a sort of circular relationship there. Time and prayer. And, and I want to spend a moment just on fasting. Most of us have an idea of what fasting is. If I said, hey, you know, describe fasting for me, you'd probably say, well, you know, you don't eat, and then your stomach hurts, and you pray some. And that's something about fasting. <laughs> that's how it goes. Fasting is a really cool thing in the scripture. It goes almost all the way through the scripture, and it's always associated with bringing something of importance to God at the same time that you deny yourself food, you abstain from food, okay? So those are two pieces. We're bringing something important. You may have an issue in your life, an issue for the church, something that you're concerned about, anything that you want. In the scripture, it's all over the place. Anything you want to bring to God, and at the same time, you deny yourself food, and then you're fasting. A lot of times we'll talk about things like, I'm, I'm fasting from technology, or fasting from beer, or I'm fasting from, you know, uh, this thing that I, whatever it is, shopping, I don't know, uh, whatever you might fast from. And, but that's, that's abstaining. Fasting is something different, okay? Just, just to be technically true to the scripture. If you want to bring, some, if something's really hard for you in life, and you want to bring it to God, do that and skip over breakfast and spend some time with him on it. Try it. It's time honored. It's all through the scripture. Or miss breakfast and lunch. You don't have to fast for 40 days like Jesus to be successful at fasting, okay? But it, you will be amazed at how when you bring something to him through that model that uh, you will see God work. That's just part of what the scripture shows us. And so they lead, they encourage the church, they build up the church by showing them the model of, of prayer and of fasting. So when these people saw the, these two guys come back into town, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're here. Have those guys who tried to kill them seen them yet? But they still come back with this amazing courage and they teach them and they build them up. And the church is blossoming and beginning to grow in these towns. And the soul of the church and the soul of the individual believers in the church are encouraged. And then they show them these, these spiritual practices. They give them leaders. Um, there's just this, this really robust picture of what it is to follow Christ in, inside the framework of a, of a church that they establish as they move out. And that's, that's what we're a part of. I, uh, so let me, let me go back to those questions I asked you at the beginning. And we'll wrap up with this. If you're a part of this church or any church, you need to ask the leaders, you need to know what is, how is this church involved in following what Christ said to disciple other people and help them come to know him, to introduce them to him and build the church. Is that happening? If that's not happening, then you have just a bunch of people coming and hiding on Sunday in a room. That's, that's not what Christ called us to. That's okay. That's just part of what we do, right? We've talked about this. This is the locker room, okay? This is where we come, where nobody else can see what's going on. We're inside the walls for an hour, okay? This is not the sum total of our faith. Where it happens is out in, in our community. And then the next town. Remember Jesus says, the next town and the next town, and then on out to the state and on out to the world. Yeah, that's where Jamie is right now. She's on out at the ends of the earth, Right? She's part of us. We're all supporting her in that. So is this church doing that? Is your church doing that? Are you engaged with that? And the other, the other thing is, are you 
being strengthened? Have you found people in ways in your life that you're being poured into and that your soul, as it relates especially to Jesus, is being built up in the ways that we talked about? Do you have that? You can have that. Um, and, and like I said, it's a rare thing that we find it because we don't have it as a priority. The other side of that is if you're someone who can or has felt just the, the call to move forward, to, to help someone else move forward, it's time to take a step there. You don't have to be like Paul and Barnabas. That's not the point. The point is to encourage someone else and help and strengthen their soul that they, so that they can walk with Christ more fully. Find a place that you can, if you're a believer, it's, you're moving towards that. If you're not there yet, you're moving towards that. So, this is one of my favorite passages in Acts because you see what the church is supposed to be like, supposed to be doing for one another, supposed to be doing for the community. It's, it's a really cool little model of these guys with incredible courage, under pressure, out in the community, making a difference for Christ and adding disciples. That's what this church is to be about. That's what the church is to be about. It doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been a believer, that's, that's where we are. And if you're not a believer... Um, this is what the church is supposed to look like. And if it doesn't, that falls on the church too. That falls on us. And each one of us who is a believer is the church. So let me, let me say this. May this church be one that is full of that vision and mission that, that Paul and Barnabas had to follow Christ and go out where he called them to go. May this be that kind of place. May we be people who are being fed and encouraged and, and strengthened and who are strengthening others. We're about that. May we be that place. Let me pray, and then we'll head out together. God, uh, this uh, family right here, I know that there are all kinds of people in here. I know that there are folks who've never come in here before, several, quite a few. Um, they're trying to figure out what is, uh, what's this church about, what's Jesus about in the hearts of these people. And God, uh, we know that the reason you came is because we were messed up and fallen and broken from you. And God, we are, um, uh, if we're believers, God, help us remember we are not better than anybody else. We are, of, of all people, like, Lord, we need your mercy. And God, I pray that that attitude and that heart will extend to this entire community, that this, uh, that this church would be one that takes so seriously your, your call to add disciples and to follow you uh, well in, in our town and the next town and the next town, Lord, that, that, uh, that we would see that happen. And, and I pray that you'd move in that way. Uh, Lord, let us follow you well this week. Uh, let, us, let us hear from you, God. If, if I Just speak to us, God. We need you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Let's eat together. <laughs>